Alright, everything looks like it's ready to go here. What's going on everyone and welcome to tonight's show. This is episode number 167 of the Xbox Roundtable podcast. The best place on Sunday nights to sit back, pop a cold one and listen to Xbox talk and so much more from around the industry. I'm your host, Invader, and it looks like things on the the news front have definitely picked up. The dam has broken. We got all kinds of news that have that has come through. Bethesda dropping a trailer for a surprising new game. Star Wars seemingly going to other developers and publishers besides EA and a lot more stuff. However, before we get into things, let me introduce everybody on the panel tonight. And I'll start with our guest for the evening from the Vitamin G podcast. Please welcome FC Violent. Hey, buddy, how you doing? What's going on, everybody? Hope you guys can hear me well, man. It's been it's been a while. I've been waiting on that invite, but uh, I appreciate Invader for coming through with that invite. I can't wait to get to these topics, man. What's up, everybody? Make sure you hit that like button. Yeah, do what the man says. Hit that like button. Do it. Do it now. All right. Good stuff, uh, FC. Uh, again, happy to have you here. Now, on to the TXR panel, and I'll start with Centurion. How you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty good, man. It is Sunday night. There's actually some decent topics to talk about outside of the the realm of the normal dramatics that we try to see take place. It's going to be time for a fun show tonight. Yeah, you got that right, buddy. Uh, moving on down the list here, Eric Shockley. Hey, buddy, what's new and exciting? Not much. Just been uh, dabbling a little bit more with my uh, Sega Saturn. Got that new sa- satiator that goes slides in the back door, kind of like a what you'd call like an EverDrive for for the Sega Saturn. So I've been getting to some of those uh, RPGs on that system. But uh, man, I saw that. Uh, we might get into this later, but I saw that Itagaki like mm. quote from earlier mm-hmm. and the amount of people that are just like shitting on this guy like he doesn't make quality games almost everything he touches was quality the only thing he didn't make was you know perceived quality was maybe devil's third the only thing that was like outside of like a big publisher like was it in-house that was him like out on his own with probably strapped you know resources so he made six straight fire games that are live one through four ninja Gaiden one and two um, but it, it's funny because I brought up like Nintendo when I was in that uh, thread, you know, saying mm-hmm. like, hey, even Nintendo has quality games they usually make. They make a few mediocre games. And the, ma- the amount of Nintendo fans that come out just for me seeing uh, saying a few games from Nintendo were mediocre. Like they <laughs> they came out of the woodwork, like me calling Kirby Air Ride somewhat mediocre. I think <laughs> most people agreed uh, yes, Yoshi's story on the N64, very much of a downgrade from the Super Nintendo. That w- that was a very short game for sixty dollars, you know, probably seventy dollars back then. It's just hilarious. I don't know, but this guy makes quality content, so I don't. He was six for six until he was, you know, out on his own. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm sure if we if Microsoft gave him, hey, get your buddies that you work well with, probably some that left Team Ninja back then. Get those guys together. Here's your resources. I'm sure he could make some quality content. So yeah. hopefully that happens. So I liked him. I, I loved his game. So I'd like to see him with at least those resources, whether it's Xbox or whoever, somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you, Shockley. Mm-hmm. Like Itagaki is, 
he's a pretty interesting character when you read up on him. And of course, you list the games Dead or Alive, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. a few other titles. There. I mean, obviously, uh, Devil's Third there, which didn't do too well. But I mean, again, he tries some different stuff. He, I, I like um, the games that he's done. Uh, well, for the majority. And I think that he could definitely bring some new stuff to the table, whether it's for Xbox and so on. But, no, I mean, I, I would rather not crap on him. I mean, hey, you know, not, you know, sometimes you put out a bad game. That's just how it goes. But uh, you can always come back from that. Um, moving on. Uh, Tim should be able to make it. He's not here at the <laughs> moment. But Tim Dog, he might be running a little late. Um Megatron will not be here this evening, but hey, you know what, guys? We got a pretty good crew holding it together tonight. Also, great to see everyone here in the chat tonight. We, you know, we got a bunch of people filing in here. And just a little reminder to all you guys: you can find us on numerous audio platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of others. And you know. For some, YouTube is a great option, others not so much, so there's definitely some alternatives out there for your TXR on the go. Okay, fellas, let's get into this uh, first topic, and earlier this week, Bethesda surprised everyone with a teaser for Machine Game's next game, which is Indiana Jones. Now, everyone was basically taken back by this stealth announcement, it came out of nowhere, there was no gameplay shown, but it does give some hints to where the classic globetrotting game may go. I know everyone here wants to chime in with their two cents on this, but you know what? I'll kick things off with our guest here, FC Violent. What do you think about uh, this Indiana Jones announcement? Well, first, I was more more shocked than anything. I was like, wow, uh, out of the blue, was the last Indiana Jones game that you know that we've played? And second, uh, machine, which is machine games, right? The uh, the, the creators of mm-hmm. Wolfenstein or the reimagining Wolfenstein is making this game, which is kind of a little bit out of left field. So I, I'm I'm more curious than than anything because I'm trying to figure out how or why they even pick this franchise. And I and I hear people like, when when it was first announced talking about I'm hoping it's third person, third person. But I'm like, well, Wolf, like these guys do first person games, so. I mean, do you guys know whether or not it's been confirmed whether it'll be first or third yet? Or I haven't heard anything personally. Um, okay, I would. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was first. And if it was first person, I'd be more interested in it because I don't, I don't, I don't want every game to be third person. You know what I mean? I don't want another Uncharted or a Tomb Raider. And I, I know Indiana Jones was there first, but it's like, come on, man, do something different with, with you know, with with a like an action adventure IP. And I think first person is probably. With, with with machine games um, history is probably the best way to go about it. So I'm, I'm more I'm more interested in anything. I, I don't know exactly how to feel yet, because again, like I'm trying to picture like how machine games would take, uh, how it would take this game and you know into their into their liking. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I add on? Uh, like, because he was asking like, what is machine games gonna do? Um, I said this last night on the shop podcast. I'm gonna say it. I'm pretty sure the chat's about to get hyped up on this one if we take the characters at least nathan drake and indiana jones and put them to get put them together nathan drake is a psychopath compared to indiana jones Mm -hmm. nathan drake will shoot anything that moves indiana jones 
cool, reserved, swagger style individual. That is why he's like, Harrison... he's like James Bond. <laughs> exactly. And it's why he's been played by Harrison Ford every time because they can't really find somebody to kind of captivate that role and, and kind of duplicate the character of Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones isn't known for walking into the room and just mowing people down. No. As a matter of fact, most fight scenes in Indiana Jones movies are almost in a way comical. Like they got like they're actually kind of witty in a way. Like some of them are actually downright ridiculous. Um, like one of the most iconic ones everybody thinks of is that great big guy just wielding the sword in front of him, and he just last pulls out a gun, fires one shot, and puts away, and it's done. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Indiana Jones. That that was pretty much like some of the action scenes for him. It's more of a you know how are they going to integrate you know what he does, like the idea of the puzzles and figuring things out. Um, we saw this done a little bit in um, the Uncharted collection where they would sometimes integrate puzzles and the idea of uh, kind of figuring stuff out. And originally, Laura Croft went down that road, but they kind of, mm -hmm. in the remakes of uh, the Laura Croft games, the new Tomb Raider games, they've made mm -hmm. Laura Croft definitely more of an aggressive character. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that with Indiana Jones. Mm hmm. Yeah, because in the movies, like you had pointed out, Centurion, he's more of a uh, a defensive guy. Like he doesn't really get into like, I mean, OK, there are some shootouts, but like he doesn't try for these long drawn out shootouts. He's just more, you know, in a situational kind of a thing. He doesn't rack up the bodies is what I'm trying to say. Right. in like a lot of these other video game. Right. And that's like, like, Tomb Raider. like Drake is not a psychopath. It's like if you really think about it, when you mow down 20, 30 people at a time between sections of the game, by the end of the game, you've racked up a pretty good body count that most people people would be institutionalized in real life <laughs> oh my gosh that's where i'm just I, I i have always loved uncharted games uncharted games were the reason why i bought a playstation in the first place uh they were my allure game for the playstation i was just like i really wish uh, microsoft had a franchise like this and i really feel like microsoft really tried it with tomb raider and obviously the whole world got up in arms when a game become one year exclusive. Um, and for the first and only time ever in gaming, we saw a developer come out and actually apologize for making something exclusive. But anyways, um, I'm excited about this. Um, I'm just ready for... Um, obviously what are the locations we're going to get out of this game? Cause, um, in Indiana Jones movies and also PC games in the past, Indiana Jones has always been known for the locations that he goes to. Um, and also I'm curious on, we all know Indiana Jones as the character, but mm -hmm. not only, I don't really feel very strongly that they're going to get Harrison Ford to cast Indiana Jones. Um, the only way that's going to happen is if by some chance a Disney kind of convinces him to do it while he's kind of recording his, like doing his role for the new Indiana Jones movie. Cause outside of that, I just feel like he probably has no interest in doing it. So who do you get to fill that role? And then also Indiana Jones has always been known for the second supportive character, um, whether it's always a good, strong female lead or, as we saw in The Last Crusade, they switched that to Sean Connery. Um, so I'm really curious on who they're going to get to kind of fill that secondary role. Yeah. Couldn't they, just get, uh, couldn't they make his voice? Like, you know, in the Rogue One, they had that one guy, I forget his name, um, that passed away way back. And they well, yeah. recreated him and his voice. So, but I mean, that's where... 
I've heard two very relevant rumors come out of who they're going to get to voice um, Indiana Jones outside of Harrison Ford. And the two that come up was, um, I guess, in a movie where Harrison Ford had a younger, younger version of himself in the movie. I guess it's more of a, a dramatic flick. Uh, where, um, like there was a, somehow in a, I don't know how the plot worked, but they had an actor come in and play younger Harrison Ford. And they actually said the actor did it quite well in his mannerisms and actually, um, learned to pretty much speak like Harrison Ford. Um, they said that there's a good chance they can get him or there's, um, somebody that actually Harrison Ford has used for a while as a stunt double. And has been used in various movies and also looks and sounds like Harrison Ford. Um, and basically they're saying they might get that individual to potentially do the roles for um, Indiana Jones. Centurion, would you, do you want this game to be more like Uncharted and third person or do you want it to completely be different? It, and like, would, you be, would you be mad if it was first person see, because that's what Centurion, that's what machine games make? Exactly. And that's where machine games is going to have to break their own mold because they're going to have to realize what makes Indiana Jones a viable character is you need to see that hat. You need to see that dusty leather coat. You need to see the whip on his side. You need to see Indiana Jones. Otherwise, no offense, you're just going to have, excuse what I'm going to say, you're just going to have some mother effort running around. Excuse me for saying that, but that's pretty much you're not going to see Indiana Jones. So I feel like there's going to be a strong disconnect if they do not show Indiana Jones in the frame. Forgive me. What if they're what if they're going for more of an immersion, like you are Indiana Jones, rather than you know seeing Indiana Jones, but you are him, being like the first person mode. That's maybe like like, like you are they, Doom guy, like when you when you're playing, they Doom, might. You know what I mean, like you feel like a badass. Why can't you not translate I, that? I feel like that, but I just because now we're talking about a character that we have grown up in a more cinematic role, so we're mm. used to seeing him on screen. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Like I was watching, like I think press starts. Uh, I forget what they were watching. I think it was the game show. There were the game awards, and like a uh, perfect dark came on there, and like everybody, but like Kofi was like, yeah, third person or uh, first person to automatic L. <laughs> so there's like so many people that just like dismiss a game because it's first person. That's what and I'm saying. And if it's I'm like so this, it's being. I, I don't want to just. I don't want to dismiss it. I just want to say if they do for if they do make it where it's first person and you are in that first person perspective of Indiana Jones, they really need to do a good job of basically making it to where yes, I, this is what being Indiana Jones would look and feel like. Mm -hmm, definitely. And going back to, again, the actual teaser trailer, there was a few tidbits, a few nuggets that they dropped in there. I did notice that, again, because uh, Indiana Jones is a globetronic adventure, I did notice this little, I think it was uh, some kind of a boarding ticket for a plane uh, going to Rome, which would be very interesting, in my opinion. Um, otherwise, there's not too much to read in from there. Um, I did see like some uh, a map of like some kind of a complex in the background. I don't know. It just it really intrigues me, guys, because I really I again like a lot of people. I'm really familiar with Indiana Jones. I I'm a big fan of the movie series. I really like that IP. A lot of popular games originated and got ideas. Um, 
from this property, whether it be Tomb Raider, Uncharted, and a few others. And I just, I really think that, I mean, nobody saw this coming, that Indiana Jones and Machine Games, Bethesda, nobody saw this coming out of anywhere. I thought that from Machine Games, we'd be getting the next Wolfenstein, right? Like a a lot of other people, maybe, maybe they have some kind of a plan to, we we actually, to be honest, we don't even know when this game is going to be coming out since this, this is just a teaser. Um, I'm going to assume that this game is still a while off, maybe two years from now, I'm going to say, but, um, there's been a lot of questions though, guys, with regards to what platforms this game will arrive on, because again, Bethesda and Machine Games, they're... Well, they're close, like Xbox and Microsoft, they're closing in the deal on their acquisition of this mammoth, uh, like the Zenimax deal with Bethesda and whatnot. And would this be an exclusive title for Xbox? Or do you guys think that this will come to multiple uh, consoles, platforms? I'll, I'll go out there and say that there's a strong possibility <clears throat> that this is going to potentially be exclusive to at least um, to the Xbox ecosystem, if not at least a timed exclusive, purely because this is not a new IP. This isn't something that's already been established and already existing on the other platform. So this might be the you never know. This might be Microsoft wanting to try and see what happens if they do. Did they say it was next-gen only? or They haven't even specified when the game's going to come out, and we all know that technically the... They could get away with it exclusive in that regard because they wouldn't be losing out so much on another player base if it's... Because, I mean, they won't be that deep by then, probably by the time the game comes out. Well, my my only um, rationale behind this is that it's a licensed project, uh, you know, uh, game. So, you know, like those games cost money. And I, I know, I know people say, well, Sony with Spider-Man, but they kind of have like a, a particular interest in that character. But with this, you know, Bethesda, that thing not being finalized yet, the, you know, the acquisition, I, unfortunately, I see this being a multiplayer. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't really see any way that it won't be. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but Their I guess they guess probably be playing best, like he said, playing of, best on like Game Pass. They'll probably work the shit course. out of that. The, the, the only like maybe maybe a, a percentage or a chance for it to be exclusive to the Xbox platform is that they haven't announced any platform yet, right? Like like have you guys seen that yet, or has that been confirmed? Other than Xbox, Xbox is like yeah, you know they retweeted and stuff. But have we seen Sony do anything with that, or is this just? More or, less, more or less just waiting for them to make an official trailer and then uh, tell you so. where, when it's coming out. still says I, nothing. We, so. They haven't really specified what platform it's going to be on. And if you take a close pay attention to how Jim Ryan has reacted over this whole Bethesda thing, you can tell he's pissed. You can tell he's in the dark. You can tell they aren't telling him anything. And he is pretty much basically in a holding pattern trying to figure out what games are going to be on his platform and just how screwed he might potentially really be. Mm-hmm. Well, you know why? Because like I, like I was, we were talking off, um, off, off air, is Bethesda is a big time publisher. So before, prior to the, all this acquisition, Sony was banking on getting 30% of every game that Bethesda was making. You know what I mean? That's a lot of games. So now that yes. that's off the table, like Sony's losing money. Even if people want to 
you know, uh, joke and say, look, Bethesda, this is still almost kind of like an, a little bit of an equalizer. Like uh, Skyrim, yeah. when that thing drops, if it's exclusive, like that's huge. It's That's a giant game that casuals know. So that's big. Mm-hmm. So whether you want to say it's quality or not, like that's going to get headlines. So the game, the game sells, man. Like other than the '76, even though I feel like it still did well, the next actual real iteration of the game or the next big game, whether Starfield or whatever, it's going to do numbers. So, mm-hmm. and I was just browsing PlayStation's social media account, and they did not utter, from what I can see, utter a word. <laughs> about the Bethesda announcement. So, whereas, again, like uh, somebody here was saying, um, Xbox was being very chatty about it. So, mm-hmm. that kind of leaves yeah, that me is very weird curious. If only Xbox execs are talking about right. it. Right. And, and then Sony's not, hey, look at this game, like getting their base hype too. Right, and that and that's where I said there's a, a silver lining there because, like, on the PlayStation, they 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 retweeted and announced the um, time-exclusive game that's coming out of uh, uh, not the, the Japanese studio that's, that's through Bethesda. Oh, yeah, Ghostwire you know, Tokyo. Ghostwire. They, they, they talk about that game, it's a, and it's a Bethesda, Bethesda title. So And um, what's that, Wire Looper? Oh, Death Loop. I can't Loop. think Death of the name. Death Loop, yes, thank you. And there's another game that they're also you know, saying. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like a coincidence, but maybe there's something more to it. So we just have to wait. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to go off of here. Obviously, this is under Disney since Lucasfilm is a part of Disney. It's not like Disney and Xbox haven't had a good relationship in the past because we've seen exclusive deals for them. I mean, maybe I'm just pulling at some straws here, but we've seen exclusive uh, games come out of them for uh, Kinect, for example. You had the Kinect. Uh, Star Wars game, you had, uh, what, the Disneyland Adventures and so on. There's been a can few I, titles. Can I add on to that? Yeah. Was KOTOR exclusive, the first one? KOTOR? Yeah, the I can't first remember. KOTOR? Yeah. Oh, the KOTOR, KOTOR games yeah. were definitely exclusive to the original oh, Xbox. That was like, yeah. Um, but now, um, let's also take a look. Um, so my um, Disney has sold off a pretty much all, all of its um, gaming uh, developers, studios, whatever you want to call them. Sony did a good job of pretty much selling them all off, and lo and behold, they purchase um, Lucas Arts and or you know the whole Lucas thing, where Star Wars everything, and they got obviously at the time, which was uh, Lucas Arts now is being called Lucas Films Studios or whatever it's called. Um, so. They're now seeing that gaming is definitely a large avenue for them to make money and also to continue producing entertainment because they saw if they put all their eggs in one basket with uh, creating movies, if something like the pandemic occurs and everybody stays home, you got a big problem. So they're seeing they could continue some of these franchises in gaming. Now, in the past, we've seen Sony get a little mouthy with the Spider-Man character in Disney. There was actually a time that we actually were thinking that the whole Spider-Man franchise was going to get chopped up and destroyed because of some falling out between Disney and Sony, which was totally fixed. But we can't forget that that happened. And 
obviously, Microsoft makes it extremely easy for um, studios to create games. And this probably interests Disney through Game Pass. And this is probably why Disney is probably wanting to explore new avenues and uh, new cooperations that they could have with Microsoft. Because Microsoft is totally changing the game when it comes to how to deal with a developer and how to get a developer's software onto the platform. And regretfully, because of Game Pass, once again, I really think that um, Sony's going to be kind of be left sitting in the corner with their Spider-Man character while Microsoft is over here doing all these deals with all these other big companies, letting franchises live on because they're not really too concerned about exclusives. They're really more concerned about just trying to get everybody in their ecosystem. Sorry, that went on probably a long direction. No, definitely not, buddy. Um, I will say, though, Phil Spencer, with regards to, again, the Bethesda games, he did say that everything would be a case-by-case basis, from what I'm to understand, with regards to exclusives and the games. This is something that, again, we're just finding out about it now, just a, a teaser out of nowhere to begin the year. And I would just like to say that this deal for this game could have been made, well, over a year ago for all we know right we don't know how far this deal goes back so again there could have been discussions for a playstation game we don't really know at this point i just find it very telling that playstation hasn't uttered a word about this title at all so maybe that's something there and again this is a new game we're just finding out about it now and Xbox has been very aggressive lately when it comes to their exclusives, and this is being made in-house, so I could definitely see them making some kind of a pitch to Disney and be like, hey, you know, these are our studios now, Um, let's work something out to make this exclusive, because that's a big brand name, Indiana Jones, so... It's a big brand name, yes, but it's also a name that, forgive about what I'm about to say, that could use a little growing... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like Indiana Jones, people know who he is, but I feel like we're starting to get into that world of where there is a generation of people who probably don't fully know who he is. Um, and that's where um, I do feel that there is room to grow with the Indiana Jones franchise. And I I guess because of that, I really do feel that, yes, it might have a high price tag, but it doesn't have as high of a price tag as trying to make, you know, I I guess now an actual pop culture sensation, something like Marvel or Star Wars exclusive versus trying to make something like Indiana Jones exclusive. I just feel like the price tag's not going to be as high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you make a good point there, Centurion. And this is a franchise that... I mean, like you said, it's not going to be as much cost-wise, but also it does need some invigorating like you're alluding to. I don't know if anybody saw that last movie with Shia LaBeouf in it. It wasn't exactly... (laughs) It wasn't exactly, you know, bad, but, you know, it was good good to see the original cast, as we'll say it, the original two from Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark uh in the crystal skull and i was just like all right so at least they really tried Mm -hmm. uh but they were trying to reinvigorate it and uh regretfully um they chose the wrong guy to basically play um in a sense indiana jones's kid i feel if they may have found the right actor maybe the franchise would have actually lived on past crystal skull 
Um, and that's where I'm ho- I have high hopes, at least, with uh, what they're going to do with the new Indiana Jones film. But that's where um, we all need to remember um, Harrison Ford was glad that they killed Han Solo. He even put it out there that he was never fond of the Han Solo character. Um, I don't know his opinions on the Indiana Jones character, uh, but I have to agree, at least with some of the, the content creators I watch, that at this point, Harrison Ford, you know, we're talking about an 80-some, I think he's eight in his 80s, right? He's an old man. He's up yeah, there. And, yeah, and I'm like, so we're talking about an 80-some-year-old man that probably has more daydreams about flying his plane than he does about reprising some of these roles. So that's where I just don't... I think it's time that uh, the Indiana Jones franchise altogether sees some new blood. And yes, for the first time ever, I do think it's time to see somebody else play Indiana Jones, which is why I am totally not against getting someone to voice the character and really kind of start trying to broaden our horizons and see what we can do with this franchise. Well, I don't know, Centurion, uh, from his uh, luck when it comes to flying, <laughs> uh, maybe... I know, I'm not going to sit there and dog a guy for crashing a plane more times he's flown one. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, maybe he should invest in Flight Simulator at this point. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. Dude, you know what, though? He probably has one of the world's best Flight Simulator setups at his house. He probably goes into a room, he's got a little a little makeup plane with some screens in the in the windows and stuff, has it all set up to make it feel like it's a real plane. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious about everyone in the chat. What do you guys think about this Indiana Jones game announcement? Are you looking forward to this game coming from Machine Games? Because, yeah, genuinely, I am looking forward to it. Machine Games is a good developer. Uh, their last game was kind of a dud, unfortunately, with, um, what was it, the, the latest uh, Wolfenstein Youngbloods game. However, I mean, I think they can turn it around. Uh, they definitely have the talent there. Uh, they're perfect for, a, you know, a good uh, Nazi killing game. Uh, I was going to say that. I was just like, <laughs> who else would you want doing a Nazi game, though? It's like, um, we do Wolfenstein? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, we're just assuming that, you know, obviously it, it, it will be set in, like, you know, World War Two era at um, some point. It's, but... it's actually um, the game is taking place between uh, Temple of Doom and God, Last Crusade. Oh, okay. That's what they said. All right. At, at least every source I have watched and everything. Because, I mean, dude, there is some people that slowed this trailer down and like digitally enhanced what was written on the typewriter. Mm-hmm. Okay. You should watch some of this stuff. But it all seems to come back around that uh, that yes, definitely. Um, oh my God, what was what did we just say? Brain fart. Uh, that you like cookies. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> I like cookies. There we go. But no, you just watch it, and I guess there's that's right. The time period it's taking place in. Uh, there, everybody I've watched is keep saying the same thing that it takes place between uh, Temple of Doom and the Last Crusade, uh, because they're kind of curious how they're going to lead it up to. They're gonna, they're really want to know are they going to stay with the lore of the movies, um, and somehow introduce Sean Connery as his dad because technically, uh, you know, his dad is alive and that's leading up to that movie. Mm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, everybody's just curious about how they're going to handle this property in this game. So, man, I, I'm really, I'm already dying for some more information on it, to be honest. But uh, I'm assuming like everybody on the here on the panel is interested in this title, correct? I am. I just don't want a third oh, person. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be curious to see it in a first person uh, for sure. Uh, well, again, guys, we'll see how this one goes as soon as we get some some more information down the way. But it's just, <laughs> again, this came out of nowhere, this announcement. And I'm really happy that they did it because it really blew everybody away. Immediately, I saw like YouTube and like all the social media outlets just blow up uh, content creators that I watched. Like everybody was talking about it. So and Invader within an hour had like two million impressions uh, or views. Like it's crazy. So, I th you know I think that uh, Bethesda and Lucasfilm might have something here, at least uh, from an interest standpoint. So we'll see where it goes. I'm excited for it, and it looks like a bunch of people in the chat are. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that, uh, fellas. We will uh, move on, and you know what? Let's talk about another big Lucasfilm property, and it's Star Wars. A few days ago. Both Ubisoft and Lucasfilm, they announced a partnership to create a narrative-focused open-world Star Wars game. The studio behind it will be Massive Entertainment, the creators of The Division. Tom, uh, sorry, Tom Clancy's the, the Division. And there's no real words on specifics, but the game is its probably going to be years off from the looks of it. Now, I'll keep this one open to anybody on the panel that wants to chime in first, but what do you guys think of Lucasfilm letting Ubisoft take a stab at a Star Wars game? I can't wait to play Star Wars Sith Assassin's Creed. I can't wait to climb to the top of every space tower on Mos oh, Eisley man. and survey the landscape and figure out who I'm going to off next. <laughs> Oh, I just had to have fun with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have high hopes. So I'll at least put that out there. It's Ubisoft, man. I'm so tired of that formula, bro. I guess the only saving grace is that it's 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 the Division guys. And the Division 2 did not... I don't know. It didn't hold me, man. I, hopefully... Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have. High, I don't have high hopes for Ubisoft. I really don't. If you if you follow my timeline, you know how I feel about them. But I am glad that they're getting a shot at it. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's refreshment for them, and maybe they'll get inspirations to to make something good. You know, like when the, when they first made Assassin's Creed or the second Assassin's Creed, rather, and games mm -hmm. like that. And it, it, maybe it gives EA uh, less of a stranglehold in their franchise and give new new blood, a new you know new engine, a new story behind it. as long as it's new you know i don't want them to get cookie cutter you know whoever their lead is and then make it another assassin's creed but, but via via star Wars. i do not want that i, I don't yeah. better yet maybe they could do a, a kotor for obsidian since you know now you could now uh star wars isn't ea exclusive now see now that i would be excited no, for. that you can't you, that, that they wouldn't be able to do that Kotor right. is was created under Bioware and EA, which were both company, which are pretty much EA. Isn't that, I, there's already been already some people Wars, talking though? about that, huh? Wasn't like Knights of the Old Republic? Wasn't that already a term like in Star Wars, or did they create that? Oh, I see. Is that already in the books? Maybe. Like I don't know. I it might. They I got think it from the books. I don't think they got lock on. That. Does, does EA own the IP to that or no? Do you I, I think I think I think the IP is owned by Bioware. 
That's the problem. Uh, uh, and okay, that's yeah. where what? bot and then who controls the IP on a license? I'm not 100% okay. sure about this guys because no, I, I mean it's Star the, Wars regardless. The, I think it's the Knights of the Old Republic. They can they can throw Star Wars on whatever they want. They can call it Star Wars Interplate Napkin so. Creator, but they can't call it Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Right. That's what I mean because they they created the game under that IP. Yeah. But did I'm, they like renew that that like license and did they create that name? Like was that in, I'll check, but was that in the book? And they're like, Let's hey, we'll say call it if, if that's if EA does have control of it, we do know how they like to have a stranglehold on anything that yeah. is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, they do seem to like remastering well, he, things nowadays. So you know, EA passes in the you know or EA plays in a you know game pass now, so maybe right. I just, for me, the reason why I say I have high hopes is I am just glad, you know, ding dong, uh, the witch is dead. EA is no longer holding the Star Wars franchise by the throat. Um, we're allowed to get some new blood put in there. Yeah. Uh, the Division guys um, over there. Um, oh, my God. What was the developer name again, Invader? Supermassive. Supermassive. I don't want to say Machine Games again. Massive Entertainment. Uh, Supermassive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually sat down and chatted with it. I chatted about it with a friend of mine who like lives and breathes the division and the division two. Uh, one thing he has high hopes for is that the company behind, you know, Supermassive, they actually do care about the product that they put out. Um, they really worked very hard on trying to make the original division game a viable product. Um, they do like to take a date. The division games are one of those uh, games where they do rely heavily on fan feedback and also um, even fans finding glitches in the game. Um, so definitely, I, I do. they do know how to listen. Um, I'm curious on how they're going to use the Snowdrop engine because the Snowdrop engine is not exactly known for being the most beautiful thing in the world. But we also can't forget, though, that um, currently Ubisoft has created Immortals Phoenix Rising, um, a mm. game that's in my backlog, but I hear a lot of good things about. Um, Ubisoft, even though they have a formula for single player games, has been one of those studios that does have games as a service, as one of its staples, but they also weren't like EA and Activision and threw everything else in the trash. They actually tried to keep the single player, the single player concept of gaming alive in franchises like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. Um, and they, they've seen the backlash that they've gotten, uh, from recreating a formula and the reason why I have high hopes is they heard everybody talking about how Assassin's Creed was the same thing over and over and over again. And then we got to Assassin's Creed Origins, which was a very beautiful game. It was a complete um, pivot from what we got normally. You could see. Uh, excuse me. I, said, I love Origins. Oh yeah, and it was a you could see the original hints of Assassin's Creed on there like climbing to the top of the pyramid and surveying. You wa you definitely didn't want to lose some of the things that were there, but you could see how it was a complete pivot from what we normally got to something different. And so I'm really curious on um, let's just say it this way. I'm curious on what they're going to do in Far Cry 6. If Far Cry 6 is a huge leap compared to what we got from the other Far Cries we've been getting, then I will definitely have some really solid hopes that we're going to see something good come out of Supermassive because they even said in a statement that they want to do this and they want to do something completely different from what they've already been doing with The Division. And The Division 
is games as a service. So if you're doing something completely different, the only thing left for you is to try a single player story based campaign. A proper single player game, a proper one. A proper one, yes. Um, and I'm curious because, like, let's really think about it. The one thing I'm really worried about, if you want to talk about one worry, is Supermassive is known for making games that are grindy. Yes, that's what I mean. Ugh. Well, now, I, that, that's where they can create a single player game, but that's where they got to basically be like, you can't have stormtroopers like flooding the room that can basically take a million shots and you basically are like tissue paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, with Massive Entertainment, the division, uh, it was known for, again, kind of, while from what I played in the division, it is, again, rock solid in its foundations. However, um, again, with these large open world settings and game types, unfortunately, it comes with a certain grindiness. And Ubisoft games recently have been kind of uh, grindy in nature um, in order to progress, unfortunately. And then well, the other. I mm-hmm. wanted to also add on real quick. The one thing that people also talk about outside the grind that Ubisoft likes to do is like they like to throw uh, the time saver microtransactions in. Yes, and I was about to say the microtransactions oh, as well. Um, no, that's fine. Um, however, again, I don't want to paint everything with the same brush, and I hope that massive entertainment um, it does the Star Wars license good. Um, I'll admit, I've said this before on the show, Ubisoft is kind not exactly what I call my favorite publisher out there. Uh, when I stack them up against others, I find their games to be... Well, I mean, again, a lot of them are good. I know a lot of people enjoy the Assassin's Creed games, especially some of the, the recent ones and a few other titles. Far Cry, it's not that I don't. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know, I, I just don't really care for a lot of their... I'm, I'm with you, bro. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a chance in Turion because uh, no. Lucasfilm uh, is the one that published KOTOR. So they paid them to do the work. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Uh, Lucasfilms so uh, is very invested. Well, I'm saying like LucasArts, like the game developer, uh, published uh, KOTOR, which is owned by Lucasfilm, which is owned by Disney. So I don't think uh, Bioware has any of the uh, uh, like IP. at least at least uh, the one show I think it was like. Because um, I'm all over the place on YouTube because I want to just kind of take in all, uh, you know, opinions on the subject. I think it was the Angry Joe show or something like that where they were really talking about the KOTOR thing or maybe it's the IGN one. And they were really wondering if, like, you know, would EA really throw up a big stink if somebody really tried to build KOTOR 3? Um, <clears throat> because... Uh, I I'd be curious on who would want to do that because it's definitely a, a very large universe and you have a lot to live up to and uh, you could see what's left of the developer who actually created the original Kotor. Obsidian um, could be like, look at our work and look at uh, Bioware's past recent work. <laughs> I know, and they're, they're mm-hmm. like, which one do you want to go with? Which one do you want better? Uh, I at least wanted to say with Ubisoft, um, the one thing I want to just at least kind of like play devil's advocate for them. Um, is we could see a lot of flexible uh, flexibility in the company. But, you know, they have actually done a wide variety of games. Um, and so I'm really curious to see exactly what they can do with the Star Wars franchise. Because, like, let's just be absolutely honest at this point. Um, have you guys been, like, 
really happy with anything that EA has given us other than what I, at this point was, was saved for them over at Respawn Gaming with Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, like, yeah. Let, great game. Let's, just, great let's game. just pretend Jedi Fallen Order doesn't exist. Can you feel that EA has done a good job with the franchise? Yeah. No. Well, let me let me expand this because, yeah, obviously we need to bring and mention EA into this picture now because they've had well, they, a lot of mixed Je reception. Oh, yeah. They were against Jedi Fallen Order. Right. Like, uh, they made a statement that said a single-player Jedi, I mean, Star Wars-based game would flop because it has no no, no multiplayer, this, that, and the other. It's not going to work. And then they all of a sudden, Jedi Fallen Order becomes the best thing since sliced bread because they can't do anything right with Star Wars. And now they're over here waving the flag going, oh, look, we made Jedi Fallen Order. It's like, wait a minute, you didn't want that game. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, well, back in 2013, uh, they signed a 10-year deal with uh, Disney for the game exclusivity, you know, for their studios to make Star Wars games. And it's been very mixed and bumbling besides, again, Jedi Fallen Order, as you guys were talking about. Uh, the both Battlefront games have been, well, okay, the first one was kind of mixed, um, but people are the like, oh. The first one was, yeah. Yeah, they were like, yeah. oh, okay, it's, you know, it's pretty good but you know we wish that there was more there the second one battlefront 2 just got annihilated because of all the microtransactions and even and though the better one yeah because i'll agree with you on that but because there's a lot of good there actually the heroes, the heroes mode was mad fun by the way mm -hmm. the what the, the heroes mode for the battlefront front 2 oh. we play as like the heroes dude actually you want to know where it's at it's um oh my the the co-op horde mode oh, i never played that yeah oh man Dude, you don't know what it's like to be defending the the rebel base on Hoth when literally you there's nothing but a hallway between you and Lord Vader and he's all trying to come <laughs> down the hallway and it's you and three or four yeah three of your buddies all trying to hold it down and it, it gets fun uh, and it's just like multiplayer you unlock heroes and everything else it actually the, I feel mm -hmm. like the horde mode is where Battlefront really shines well Battlefront two mm -hmm. um, but definitely like I think it's funny that you mentioned the the deal with EA. Uh, being in 2013, because here we are, 2021. Wait a minute, how are we able to talk about this two years early? Because that's where um, the big thing is. They really think that um, they're going to basically cook this deal out for the next two years. We're not going to see this 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 Star Wars game that mm -hmm. Ubisoft is working on until 2023, because mm -hmm. they have to wait for the deal to run out. Yeah. At the end of the day, the contract was signed 10 years, 2013, 2023. Um, and the reason why they're already talking about it is because why, once again, EA has absolutely nothing for us with Star Wars fans outside of Star Wars Squadrons, which was an awesome game. But mm -hmm. I'll be honest, not too many people would probably play a game that was technically almost uh, like an actual, you know, flight simulator based game. Mm -hmm. You're in a cockpit the whole time. Yeah. You a story, bro. You made a story with that. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love the story. I'm actually on my... I'm doing my second playthrough right now. I mean, I actually found it that good. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, I think they had it as like a free uh, free play day on uh, Gold, if I'm not mistaken, Squadrons. Right, but now the funny part is with Battlefront 2, man, you could, you know, grab a sandwich and beat that game in a few hours on the, on the single-player campaign. Yeah. Single-player uh, campaign was actually for pretty Squadrons, good. Squadrons, you actually yeah. had to put some work into it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, Battlefront 2, for all the, the problems with the microtransactions, it was actually, I, I played it through a, a bunch of it. It was actually pretty fun, and I enjoyed a lot of the additions that they made to it. Like, I'll admit, I, I love all the battle droid stuff, so when I could play as a battle droid and whatnot, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, just the reception from the uh, greedy microtransactions, it was rough. I remember I was listening to a radio on my way back home from work when all this was going down, and I was like, yeah, even, like, the rock radio stations, the alt-rock stations were talking about this. That's how big it was. And it's like, wow, EA really blew it. Di Disney must have been on the phone with them about this. Actually, I guess Disney, from what I heard or read, Disney did not care what was going on with the Star Wars franchise because they were Disney. And they basically did not care what microtransactions were put in the games until this all happened, and then my, uh, I guess Disney created some kind of uh, a clause or whatever, basically stating to EA that no longer could any games under their 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 names that they control uh, could microtransactions be tied to progression. Mm -hmm, exactly. Well, EA really screwed up the branding for Battlefront and Star Wars games as a whole with that, unfortunately. It's it just, uh, I, I don't blame Disney for stepping in there at all. I mean, Lucasfilm must have been super pissed at that point. Um, I, I'm just glad to hear that Lucasfilms is all of a sudden out there in the world of gaming swinging around again. I mean, and it's good to see that they're out there kind of almost like uh, doing their own thing. They're making deals with Bethesda. They're making deals with Ubisoft. Um, definitely, uh, they're they're probably tired of EA holding them back. Mm -hmm. Well, EA, unfortunately, has, you know, the best, well, unfortunately, one of the, well, not best, but the worst <laughs> reputations in the gaming industry. Um, I, I just, uh, I see someone in the chat. Yes, Battlefront 2 is still played by a lot. I played it last night. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I played it last. I played it last night with my friends on that horde mode, and I mean, it gets pretty fun, especially when you get to be a hero with a lightsaber and you just start mowing people down. Yeah, well, when they said that they weren't going to do updates for it anymore, I'll, the player base got pissed. I, you know, they were like, "Oh, come on, you know, give us some more content." You know, uh, there's still a, a really fun game here that you guys can work to improve on. So, oh. I assume we're gonna get a Battlefront three at some point. Uh, with you know maybe, maybe. with it, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. You know, just to kind of seal off the end of their deal with Disney. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. But you know, with putting Star Wars across multiple publishers and devs, I mean, is this just a better thing for the brand going forward? Yeah, because comp competition is good, man. Especially for something that big. Um, it, it makes other developers like EA. They, like before, they they made a whole bunch of half-ass Star Wars games because they could. You know what I mean? Who, who else could make them? Kind of like how the Madden franchise has gone down the, down the years. But when they actually had true competition, their best Madden game was when they had competition with 2K. You know what I mean? So I feel like this gonna this might make EA make better Star Wars games, and then maybe see what others are doing. And like, okay, you know what? Maybe we should make it more story-based because that's what the fans want. So. It's good. It's good for everyone, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. And who knows? We might see a, a pod racing game come out again. That would be awesome. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Where, where the, oh where's God. our next gen pod racing game? What the hell? Uh, Dude, could you, VR. Imagine that in VR. What, can you imagine Forza pod racing? 
Can you imagine all the uh, customization you could have in your pod racer from all the different manufacturers? I ain't gonna lie, they should have like a four, like, because I want to get VR this generation. I kind of slept on it last gen, and I feel like this gen they should have more stuff to offer, like a Forza or F1 type mm -hmm. of VR aspect to it. Like that, that'd be that'd be so dope. Well, there's that Vader Immortal game, I think it's called. Isn't that done by Ninja Theory, if I'm not mistaken? They did like the first thing, so. Episode or something of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw some. I know some guys that played around with that, and uh, I think they thought it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I would like to see some more uh, titles come out of that. Some more VR titles. Why not? I just as long as it's good quality and uh, yes. not full of microtransactions, then triple A VR titles. Right, right. But uh, yeah, guys. Again, we'll wait and see for this. Hopefully, we get some more information on uh, Massive Entertainment's. Uh, Star Wars title, and yeah, just going forward, I want to see uh, some more Star Wars games from different devs. Now, on to some other news, and you know what, guys? Our squirrely friend Clobriel has teased some juicy info regarding Halo Infinite. And according to Clobriel, Halo Infinite, it won't have a Battle Royale mode. We've heard this plenty of times before, but I guess it needs to be restated. But it will offer a Big Team Battle 2.0 mode instead, which will introduce squad spawning, massively enhanced vehicular combat, pelican drops, and lots of surprises, according to Clobriel. Now, his tweet on the matter is now deleted. I'm not really sure why, to be honest. But, shockly, buddy, Clobriel has been... He's been a pretty reliable source of Halo information, uh, with well, with anything Xbox related, to be honest, is what he's saying regarding a revamped big team battle. Does it sound reasonable to you? Yeah, from what I'm hearing, yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty dope. Uh, I remember playing the crap out of that on Halo Two and Three. That was probably my funnest part to play um, with the big team battle, just because they get so crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think that'll be great, especially if they're doing free to play. That'll be a wit great way to get like people introduced to where they can like still have like fun and not get destroyed like playing team slayer mm -hmm. um for casuals to just jump in like free to play kind of like a uh, fortnite so probably be a good way to start if they really uh make a big improvement in the big team battle mm -hmm. yeah i see what you're saying there now when I hear about pelican drops and squad spawning and a few of these other things, vehicle combat, like or very much improved, upgraded vehicle combat, immediately I start thinking of these massive uh, battles from the Battlefield series, actually. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it makes me feel like. And I just it makes me wonder because he said that there's going to be more surprises. I'm like, well, what is there going to be like destructible buildings and scenery like that would be awesome. That'd be so sick. Um, Because big team battle actually means a lot to me back on the 360 days. I, I would have friends over playing split screen Halo and big team battle would be our go-to i mean sure we play some other stuff but just to have like you know a, a few guests on one account or whatever and just to, 
I remember just having so many memorable battles, whether it be on Sandtrap, Valhalla. Again, I'm just listening off Halo maps here. Uh, yeah, especially Sandtrap with the uh, the two elephant vehicles on each side of the map. Made for really, really um, crazy capture the flag battles. But... I think I played that more when I was by myself because it was like easier to like compete versus going into Team Slayer with like mm-hmm. not knowing the, your team and get destroyed. Yeah, no, and you're, yeah, that's, yeah, you make a good point there, Shockley. And Halo, it's definitely known for uh, memorable vehicles, obviously the Warthog, the Scorpion tank. Uh, I really want to see the the Brute Chopper come back, personally. That thing was bloody awesome and sick, just, and very menacing looking. Uh, very unique, unique vehicle. And I want to see more of that. Um... But what kind of a player count do you see for this, guys? Because when we, again, I, I alluded to Battlefield, it can have up to, what, 64 uh, players on there. Do you think that, uh, like, the next iteration of a, a big team battle would have, uh, like, a really significant increased uh, player count like that? Like, maybe, like, could it go past uh, 64 players, do you think? What's the what's the count now in big team battle? That's a good question, actually. Now that I think about it, um, I have to look that one up. I have to look if if somebody could be a sleuth in the chat and look that up just to uh, confirm, double check on that. That'd be great. Um, but I just I I do remember Clobriel a long time ago please, um, teasing an increased player count like with regards to halo maybe that's what it was because again we're not going to be getting a a battle royale as much as that occasionally pops up and you know what guys i i really like the idea of them sprucing up big uh, big team battle because as much as it's tempting to do a battle royale mode for halo and i do think that there are things that halo could touch on really well with it at the same time i just really liked it when halo did its own thing or improved upon its own stuff and just it's more identifiable to me with that instead of just grabbing on to trends in gaming you know what i mean i mean that's that's when halo was king is when they they kind of uh you know innovated in the console space when it came to multiplayer and slayer and and first person shooters in general so the next way to do that is instead of following the trend is to make a different trend or or expand on it like big team battle which is a fun fun game mode the idea of having it similar to battlefield in that way but having banshees fly through like past you and shooting missiles and it breaks the wall of, of whatever you're hiding and then maybe you start off as a od uh odst guys mm-hmm. you know um, shock dropping and then like that that'd be dope and then have it i guess I, I, i'm trying to think it won't be big team but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like the battlefield which is conquest was just the main mode um it would probably be i don't know if it'd be team slayer or whatever modes they, they normally have but make it halo in a way kind of like how halo wars is like if you ever played that how it's mm-hmm. massive like two big armies maybe something like that where you have two massive armies and you either try to either try to gain collection points or or capture the flag like massive like massive uh in a in, in a, like a mmo type of type of way uh it'll be interesting i i'm trying to see how what would be the ideal player count i'm thinking maybe 50 maybe 50, I, 50 i'm wondering if they would do something akin to titanfall where they have ai 
friendlies with you. Mm. Think about it. Um, I'm just putting this out there, guys. I don't know, but it is an interesting train of thought. And no, I'm not talking about Warzone per se. But imagine if you were able to get like a squad of ODST or Marines with That's you. What I'm thinking ODST. Um, again, they're just like little like helpers along the battlefield. Again, they you know they take pot shots, whatever. Maybe that can be expanded upon. But then you also, of course, have your regular squads and whatnot. Just to f- but those would just be to fill out the battlefield. And yeah, that would be pretty crazy if true. Because Titanfall. Uh, I mean it. It's more Titanfall is more like for like smaller game types, whereas if you were to do this for big team battle, man, that would be oh, that would be insane seeing all these player uh, models across the uh, battlefield, especially with again, I'm just thinking of destruction capabilities. I think it would be cool if uh, you know you were in a UNSC building and then a wall gets shot out, you know, like right. Just bring those. I I, I I could definitely see something like that being brought in. Invader. Mm-hmm. What 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 about what about like like the guy says fifty v fifty right? What mm-hmm. about if it's like, um, USNC versus like the Covenant or whatever the other mm-hmm. fifty other people pick or voted or whatever or the brutes and they have almost like specialized units that you that you could call upon to to push an objective. Whether it be like ODST drops or or mm-hmm. some of the like uh, the elites or something like that 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 turn events when they come they come in a pack something like that where it's just like it's just Halo it, it's you could do so many different things it'd be interesting what they what they would do and hopefully it's something like that rather than just be fifty v fifty Spartans. Mm-hmm. That's true, and I and I do realize again that it does kind of blend in with what Warzone is, but I think I think if they there's definitely something that could be added to the big team battle just as it is, and I think that uh, would just be pretty... I'm with cool. FC on what he's saying, because we can't forget that the guy in charge of the multiplayer came from Gears of War 5, mm-hmm. where the multiplayer is based on one side is humans, the other side is the horde. Exactly. And so I really do see you could have <clears throat> where you go in, and as you, I guess, a kin to like i guess we'll throw some battlefront 2 in there as you play the game get kills accrue points you can go back and convert your character into an infantry unit you know a heavy um you know so, uh, a jetpack trooper whatever the heck you want to call it um and come back into the game as another character until you're clipped off um i mean everything you guys are describing makes this sound like it's going to be a fun experience and something that's going to get me back into halo. Um, so I definitely, uh, I haven't heard anything bad. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Well, again, these are just what Clobriel has been tweeting out, but he's been very reliable. I mean, I I can't doubt him at all. He's usually, you know, very upfront about uh, the things that he uh, puts out there. Again, I'm kind of curious why he uh, deleted his tweet, but um, I don't know. Like, I'm just excited. I really want, I, I really want three four three to be more vocal again. I know they've been quiet for a reason. Obviously, they've been retooling things, probably adding content, of course. But I'm really curious on the multiplayer front, as a lot of people are. So I hope we get a nice info dump soon, right? Because they've been uh, they've been kind of quiet. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, guys. It's just, again, very interesting stuff coming out of them. 
All right, guys, I think we'll uh, move on to some other things. And a few days ago, CD Projekt Red co-founder Marcin Iwinski apologized in a video for Cyberpunk 2077's rough launch. And he admitted that the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions suffer from poor performance, stating that the game's state and responsibility fall on the leadership team. Now, Centurion, I'll, I'll go with you on this one to start this off. What do you think of their apology? Because they talk about wanting to be more open and honest, but they were very quiet on a few things leading up to the launch of this game. Um, not only were they quiet, but it's been, what, a month now to get this apology? Um, and I'm not trying to tear them down. You know, uh, <laughs> definitely... Um, Maybe they got caught up in their own hype. I don't know how to describe. I'm not going to sit there and go out and say, oh, they're not being genuine. Let's find out. Because honestly, it seems like so far they're keeping their word. Um, they already have released a few hot patches to kind of figure out a few things that to kind of just stabilize what they have. And then they did promise two big patches. And in the video, uh, the day of the video, he said that, you know, within 10 days that they were going to see the first one of these great big patches actually roll out, which falls in line with the them saying you're going to see a patch one in January, one in February. Now, as long as the other patch rolls out in February, I would say they're kind of staying true to their word. But let's all be aware, though, um, they're also kind of uh, being forced to also make sure that this happens on time. And it's not the stockholders um, that are kind of like holding Tim to this. It's actually the Polish government. Uh, from what I've read and found out, they are currently looking at a fine of 10% of all revenue for Cyberpunk 2077 uh, if they don't get these patches rolled out on time. So it's kind of interesting that um, they're being told that they're looking at this pretty stiff fine and all of a sudden they're releasing a apology video. Um, it's nice to see that they are owning up to it and he is taking, you know, him himself is taking sole responsibility along with the, uh, the leadership team and that nobody should be uh, held responsible other than them. Um, definitely uh, going forward, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. They already did delay the big patch, though, by the way. If you look at their timetable, by the way, mm -hmm. the, the patch that's supposed to get, there was supposed to be a patch in March that gave us the uh, the next gen upgrade with all the second, ray tracing and goodies. Second half, 21. second half of 2021. Yep. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's quite a bit of ways away. Wow. Like they did say that, you know, the testing did not show like a big part of the issues that uh, you're experienced that th that you experience in the game. That's coming from his mouth. But I mean, come on, there's been so many videos of like of uh, different bugs and issues and especially a lot of immersion breaking bugs and game breaking bugs. Um, I just I got to call it out because there's I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I totally understand that bugs get missed uh, there's a lot of less serious bugs that don't get patched until later on and there's things that i i could genuinely gloss over no problem but there's just been so much reported and it's just it, i don't i to me it just it seems like they purposely ignored the uh, last gen versions of the game just to push it uh you know for christmas this year um probably um, the funny, he even did say that, 
Uh, they did get a very over ambitious in the game. They were totally held back by uh, last gen architecture, especially in uh, what he called the streaming part, which was basically the delivery from the hard drive and the CPU to your television screen. And well, the hard drive isn't up to snuff because sorry, um, we've all learned that this game needs to be on an SSD or better. And if you put C uh, cyberpunk on a mechanical hard drive, you're going to run into some issues. Now, I actually know somebody who is currently playing cyberpunk 2077 on an OG Xbox one, and he's actually having a good time. And he says the game is relatively stable. Um, he's mm -hmm. not, you know, so in his video, uh, the gentleman for CD Project Red did say that they got over ambitious in the fact that they thought that they could patch this out of the game on the first day. And they found out that this was not going to be the case. And that's where um, let this go out to all developers who think that you mm -hmm. can just release a game like this and patch it out day one. Because there's always that what if now of what if you can't and you end up like CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk. And I really do hope this kind of sends a shockwave through the industry of you better be sure next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like again, guys, I'm very forgiving with a lot of uh, developers. I understand, again, that you can't catch everything out there and... I just I don't want to jump on developers just because the media is going after them. I'm not like that, yeah. but I, I hate to get on the, the hate bandwagons uh, and that's definitely not me because, again, I do see in the chat people again, people have had a very good time with the game. I'm not saying that I have the game. I I played through a you know, first couple of hours, but there were some things where I'm like, well, that definitely doesn't look right. This needs to get right. patched and. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm purposely holding off right now until a, uh, like a patch comes along. I, I played the game for one hour and ran into a bug right away. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and the funny part is, uh, I Stubbs ran into the same bug and he had no idea it was a bug. Uh, <laughs> it was when you were learning to um, mark characters, you know, actually like tag them. Um, it gave me no acknowledgement. I couldn't tag, so I couldn't move on from. It was basically a game breaking bug. I had to restart from an earlier state save uh completely redo a mission and get myself back to that point and then the bug was gone and i was able to tag enemies um but that happened within the first hour of playing the game on a series x and that's why i'm like hmm well i don't want this game to be ruined so i'm kind of with you i played the game for a few hours and i've been dabbling in other stuff hell i've been i've played more godfall than i had cyberpunk <laughs> Uh, you know, if you don't mind, let me chime in on on this, man. This this topic has been done to death, but oh my like, God. like yes, yes, yes. But like, like you, Invader, though, you you kind of have to you're gonna have to talk about it because when people make mistakes or when people do something wrong, whether you are a fan of the developer or not, you have to say something. And like you, I don't want to be jump on the hater bandwagon because video game is an art form. We should all love to play video games, but at the same time, if you do it from a a, a place of where you're you're not doing it just to jump on 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 them because they rival a certain company that you might favor, but you're doing it to like, hey man, you, I'm gonna get on you so that you'll do better the next time, and and we're not talking mm -hmm. specifically to the developers because uh, I'm you know they're not they're not at fault for this. It's 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 the management team, so it's gonna be a little bit long winded, but the, so, so the management <laughs> team 
All right. <laughs> the management team in itself. Okay, kudos to the guy for taking it to the face because we now know what he looks like and he's going to get a lot of heat, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> second, you know, se- second, like uh, like Centurion said, it, it was kind of late. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty late. Um, to fall on the sword this late when you're when you're being pressured to do so, it's not, it's not the same type of feeling when you do it uh, preemptively or knowing that you messed up and you do it then rather than doing it when you're being pushed to do it. You know what I mean? It's not it does it's not, it doesn't land the same. So for that, I I don't know. I, I just I just want CD Projekt Red, mainly the the publishing side or the the actual you know the the big company to learn from this and other developers like you said in turn to learn from this to not half ass make a game. And one of the issues that I see uh, that that I saw from them is that they try to make this game on a very high end PC first, and then try to I guess downgrade it to the the PC or the consoles, the old super old Jaguar cores and all that stuff. Talking about and, and seeing if whether or not it would work. But the issue with that is like if you're gonna if you're gonna use the old consoles, maybe you should see if it works first. I know it's hindsight, but then then upscale it. But what they should have done if they were, if they started making it what in 2018, they should have just dropped the old con. Honestly, I know it's not a bit popular to do so. They should have dropped the consoles. Like this would have saved them a, a big time, a big headache in the future. But I know, but when the video game industry, it's all about making money, and obviously this kind of you know bites them in the ass now. So I don't know. I, I still I still like the developers. I'm not buying the game or playing it until I get a better rig myself, and. You know, it's it's a shame that they kind of like threw away what they what they gathered when it came to the recognition. But with me, I always give developers at least at least a couple of games like Bioware. You know, they kind of fucked up the record. Uh, their um, mm-hmm. so you know they're they're renowned for me after like after two or three bad games back to back. So I'm not gonna just throw away CD Projekt Red's like what they what they've done because Witcher Three is a fabulous game. It's it's on to their next game. If that one is also you know a bust because of and they didn't learn from it, then then we then we have an issue. But hopefully so, they learn from it, man. That's, so that's I like how it. I like how you say that it bit them in the ass and <clears throat> that they you know they get they gave up all this this um yeah man the, all they gave up everything that they achieved from The Witcher Three and to kind of put that into perspective um, for starters, um, this is where people really need. It sucks that CD Projekt Red had to be the victim of, you know, gamers being frustrated at what we're getting from EA uh, with Bioware and, and some like Anthem and ex- regrettably Mass Effect. And then we got, um, what's it called? Another game that flopped just recently. It's, there's a uh, lot of companies lately that have been releasing some games that have been basically, Avengers. oh, Madden, Madden, other <laughs> EA again. But what would you say? As well. I would say Avengers. Avengers. So uh, that's where I know everybody's all like, oh, the cancel culture. Um, I don't think it's that. I just feel like um, gamers are, I don't even like using the term gamer. We'll say electronic software consumers are okay. tired of basically being taken on this ride of, you know, we'll patch it here. We'll do it this yeah. way. Uh, we cut this corner. Um, and to go back to what we were saying with like how it bit them in the ass. Um, so CD project red at the beginning of last year was being traded at $31 a share. It is currently being traded at $16 a share. They have tanked half their company's value that technically. So that means they have lost half their money. Now, if we were able to speak that way to EA with Madden, what do you think? 
Do you think what, what do you think the Call of Duty franchise could do if Activision got the message that like everybody can join the hate bandwagon all they want and go on Twitter and wave these flags, but the real power you have is with your wallet. And they saw this. CD Projekt Red was the first victim of uh, gamers basically essentially speaking with their wallet. Now, if they were able to redirect that at franchises that have stagnated, imagine what you could do. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that uh, Sony just pulled it off of the PlayStation Store. That was... <laughs> for an order for Sony to do that, that's big. Well, it was making their policy look bad because they were like, well, we can't just keep giving refunds to one game. And <laughs> everybody else could be like, well, what about this game? Yeah. So they're like, no, I'll just pull it off so we can stop that, nip that in the butt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? I mean... It, it really wasn't a good look for CD Projekt Red overall. Um, and again, even for Microsoft, too, because they're the ones that had the marketing rights attached to this game. And they've been having bad local marketing rights, man. <laughs> bad <laughs> luck, man. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So 76 Anthem CD Projekt Red. Like, what the hell? Unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that one seemed like a shoe in, but you know, <laughs> you would think, right, Shock? But oh. it's like we got this one. Yeah, I mean, you would think that they'd be due, but dang, like they, uh, CD Projekt Red, like uh, Cyberpunk should have been the game, but uh, I'm saying, so I'm not saying patches need to go away. I'm just saying you need to make sure at least the game is stable enough to where people can't start demanding refunds facts it has to be playable like it, it has, has to, to be, be it has to be playable and yeah. you know i'm sorry some of the videos of, of cyberpunk regretfully um that that game was not ready for ps4 or the xbox one mm -hmm. it should it should have been cut personally well again it seems to be like all across the board like there's varying degrees of issues some people are saying that yeah you know their friends or they've had no issues on their original like whether it be playstation 4 or xbox ones um See, that's where i want to ask somebody for like um that's where um there's a lot of things that can go into play on playing an original xbox one or even on an xbox one x um it comes down to, are you playing this game on the internal drive? Because if you are, you're already ahead of the game. Because if you're using an external drive, um, I guess a lot of the big, big fun ones occurred with people keeping the game on an external drive and sharing it to the original Xbox. Because now you're having to run a mechanical drive. You're running two mechanical drives instead of one. Um, but I also have talked to uh, a couple people that are uh, running the game on an SSD hooked up to their Xbox One, and I guess that's changing things, too. Mm-hmm, right. Well, and then you look at uh, Downer, too, right? He he was playing through the game. He was loving every minute of it, minute of it and he had no issues whatsoever. I think he went on to start a second playthrough. So again, there's lots of those stories as well. It's just unfortunately, again, I don't want to beat up on the dev. Um, it's just there have been some significant issues, and... 
you know, it took them a while to issue this apology, unfortunately. So, you know, we do have to bring it up, guys, um, because not everything is all, you know, rose-tinted glasses, unfortunately, when it comes to uh, some of these games that are being released. And for the money that we're paying, I mean, we do expect a certain uh, quality and uh, testing going into them. So, you know, we do have to call them out when they, you know, when they screw up. But again, CD Projekt Red can rebound. I got no problem with this. Yeah. And oh, I have I have full faith that they will. And even at the end of the video, he was all like, you know, they're already it sounded like they're already working on something else. Thing is like if if you if people think that CD Project Red is done off of this, they're moronic because the game like besides the bugs which can be fixed from what I from from what I read and people that I trust have said, the game is dope, right? So the game is good. Hmm. That can be fixed, and their next game can bounce from there, learn from this. They're they're not a they're not a shit developing team. They don't they don't go from Witcher three to to Fallout seventy six. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen unless yeah. unless you're Bioware. They already but, made their budget back too, so it's like ex exactly like e even though the game might have been when we're talking about a success for them is something like on the uh you know Rockstar level, but the game still sold pretty well regardless. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, technically, it's still a success, but because the, the the fanfare from it wasn't the same that they would have received with The Witcher Three or what they should have received had they made a proper game, that's why it's deemed as a failure, even though it technically isn't. So, if I had if I had the money, if I wasn't making this move, I'd be buying CD Projekt Red stock <laughs> because they're gonna bounce back, and the people like thinking that they're this is their demise because they favor a certain different developer because it's the competition in these guys you're moronic man it's put if i had the money if you got the money buy their stock because it's going to go back up watch mm -hmm. i've already made that joke to my wife today i was like hey babe it's only buy 16 dollars a share i'm thinking a couple hundred bucks <laughs> well let's listen okay how about this who here thought gamestop would gamestop would bounce back mm, yeah I, I'll admit uh, there's, there, there, there were there were no worse spike because of the pandemic. There's True. only seen a spike. True, but it's a it's a pretty big damn spike. You thought they would have been dead long time ago. You know what oh, I mean? Like, dude, the, like it's a spike, and sadly, I think now the executives are going to do a cash grab, cash out, and they're going to get out during their little spike, and they're going to just let that company spiral. Well, plus we'll that see. that Microsoft partnership kind of helps out too for a little bump. I really, I really hope that does. I just like, I oh my god. I really it's hope being GameStop on the is on the up and up. I just do not have high hopes on some of the executives that have, have been kind of steering the ship over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, again, guys, with regards to the CD Projekt Red apology, I mean, it's nice that they do it, and I just, again, I hope that they're able to pull through uh, with a lot of the statements that they're making, a lot of the promises, and I, again, just for the fans, I hope that they're able to do what they promised uh, and set out to do. Um, we'll move on to our last topic of the evening and journalist Brad Sams, who he specializes in Microsoft related news, that uh, sort of stuff. He states that he personally knows of multiple game studio acquisitions that could be completed soon. Ooh. And he states that I've been hearing a lot of conversations behind closed doors about acquisitions in the industry. There's a lot of moving things going on right now. It's hard to see which companies are going to get snatched up and by what vendors, but I can tell you there are some big industry names out there being approached by Microsoft. You also have Amazon and Google. 
Sony is also a part of the conversation, but not as much as Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. You also have EA. I mean, look what happened to Codemasters, and we had talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. Now, guys, I'll again, I'll keep this open to anyone who wants to uh, get in first, but we talk about acquisition rumors often as there's a lot of rumblings in the industry about who Microsoft is going to buy out next because, again, they're on the hunt for developers for Game Pass and whatnot. But Brad Sams, he's a pretty reliable source here. What studios do you see Microsoft, Google, or even Amazon going after? Hmm. I think I think the the ones that definitely on the chopping block to be bought are the ones that are definitely struggling. Like you heard the recent was it uh Techland and those those mm-hmm. guys with the issues that they might have had. Um those type of studios first will definitely be bought, I feel. I don't know any big ones though. That's that's the that's the that's the kicker. Will Square Enix be bought? I, I don't I don't know. And by whom? Like if if you were one of those developers, would you want to be bought by first time game makers, Amazon or or, or Google? Like that's that's where yeah. Microsoft and Sony has the edge there, especially Most Microsoft. Of those bigger ones, it's gonna need to be like kind of like with Bethesda and Microsoft, they have a long relationship, exactly. like actually doing a lot of business together. So that made sense for them. I don't see like Square just like oh Google just gave us money. Like well their their games are gonna sell regardless like on you know Sony platform or any Nintendo Sony even Microsoft platform. So it's like <laughs> there's no need for us to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys make a good uh, point there. I-, I think Techland could be a big uh purchase for any of these although i could see microsoft stepping in here to be honest they techland's been very quiet about dying light 2 they've had to push that game back significantly although i I did see them tweet out something that we should be getting some news regarding dying light soon but they're a studio that uh they they could use the funding and they're a pretty big studio actually I, i can't quote uh personnel how many they have as far as employees goes but they're a surprisingly large studio uh again and of course the studio that we were just talking about cd project red you guys just said that their value has tanked significantly and we know that they can bounce back but i'm kind of curious if uh somebody like google microsoft amazon would be interested in uh getting them right are they owned by the government does anyone know like i know the polish government has a say so i don't I don't. I'm not Polish. I have no idea how the laws are there. But are they truly independent, or are they owned by the, the the Poland government, Polish government? I'm pretty sure they're independent. Yeah, I think they're independent. I just what it is is they have consumer protection laws over there that make it to where uh, they can be fined for putting. It's kind of interesting um, how it's it's here in america more laws protect the software and the person who protects who produced the software where in actually in other countries uh there's more laws that actually protect the consumer um where um like the united states is one of the few countries where you cannot actually return a new game for being defective the thing it's called lobbyists lobbyists here so yeah yeah i know yeah. so yeah uh, that's a whole subject in itself but yeah so, so cd project the only way i see cd project red being picked up by microsoft is if by some chance they fall behind on one of their little deadlines and they do get fined and you know some other bad financial stuff 
because right now I see CD Projekt, they're still standing on their own. They're meeting deadlines, which means that they're taking this seriously, at least. Um, so definitely, I don't, it would take a lot for them, I think, to sell um, because um, definitely, I, they've definitely carved. I feel like they want to at least go down fighting, and I don't think they would sell that easily unless it got real bad. Um, but I really, truly do not know who Microsoft could purchase. The only thing that I would have to say that I just see Microsoft making some pretty big moves, at least here in the next year or two, at least uh, over in the more uh, Asia part of the world. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, we see other Where? brands starting to pull back. And we still we see Phil Spencer going over well at least before the pandemic anyways going over there any chance he got, so definitely um, I'm curious to see what the future is going to bring uh, with some of the deals that he's cooked up over there. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say like what 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 Xbox lacks in their catalog now they pretty much have the Western RPGs down pack first person shooters they're mm-hmm. missing more Asian J- JRPGs in particular in their catalog and they would need to get a studio like that out there whether it be sega with uh was it level five and those guys for the personas franchise or hell if you want to go if you're going to go put your money where your mouth is square enix you know they're the bethesda of the east you know so it's going to be interesting man like if if any of those big big uh big time um companies go for go for it i would i would try to get square if they could I at least see Sony putting up a fight for Square. Yeah, you know, they have the bag to go against Amazon. <laughs> uh, I, I, Microsoft. See, that's the funny part is, um, I don't. If by some chance Amazon was to try to come in and outbid everybody, uh, Square at the end of the day would probably be like, nope. No. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we got to remember they've had a really good relationship uh, with Sony. You know, just look at. Um, the Final Fantasy VII thing. Uh, and I really see, my at least with Sony, they would put up a fight for Square. But I don't know if Microsoft's really going to go over there and buy studios. For me, it's more like the deals that they're going to make with those studios to get certain names, uh, certain games on the platform. Right. Uh, purely because um, at least the articles that I read from over there, um, re- Sony's in decline over there. The fans have been soured by some of the things that Sony has done. Um, and basically, they're already looking uh, for for Xbox to kind of help out because uh, my Sony has already pulled a lot of the company from that part of the world. Um, all the advertising for the PS5 over there was done solely by the advertising team here in the States. Uh, the to- um, the Japan marketing team, I guess, has been sitting on their hands for a few months now trying to figure out what's going on. And it appears that all decisions and mostly everything is coming from over here in the States. So at this point, Sony is invested fully in North America and the 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 fans over there have noticed this. And so as a result, Sony's in a major decline over there. That's that's true. I, I, I talked about this on VGP uh, about the... Not not even just Sony, but they're even their even their uh, Sony Japan studio as well. It's basically a lot a lot of developers there just left because they're they feel like they're not they're not a priority anymore, and it's kind of shown. There's multiple articles on this. Oh yeah, and the like, marketing team said that they don't need 
Asian RPGs. Basically, wow. they were just they were just like, oh yeah, you guys are here because we let you be here. Well, I yeah. mean, think about it. Like so many, they just get so many exclusives regardless because they weren't going to Xbox One this past gen. So it's like, well, we already got that those exclusives unlocked. So why double down? And we'll, you get we'll to make the, everything else. Yeah, but you get to a point where you could be too cocky, right? Like you like, oh, that that's always gonna ha- that's always gonna fall for us. But if the if the consumer base is not feeling valued, the Japanese consumer base, I mean, they could be like, you know what, fuck Sony. We'll just get these games on PC, which they're already going to. And and then buy PC is like, you know what? You know, Xbox has a, you know, a platform, a market share a little bit in PC. Why not also put it on Xbox eventually? Then it's like, well, we don't really need Sony anymore. If they're not gonna take Japan serious, why should Japanese people take them serious? And a lot of these uh, Asian game developers are really eyeing PC right, because I mean, they've yeah. been u- they've been using Sony for a long time uh, because for a long time the console world out there um, was uh, you know Sony. Now all of a sudden Microsoft has cooked up XCloud. Uh, the culture over there is more mobile gaming than they are stay at home gaming. Um, and so um, they're eyeing PC and the idea of streaming games so that way people can stay mobile. And we all see how heavily invested Microsoft is with streaming and getting games in everybody's hands where Sony is still trying to build a sacred garden. Yeah. But but just to get back a little bit back on the, on the topic here, like we were talking about Square, Square Enix, thankfully, I think Cyber, or I think they're probably thankful that CD Projekt Red took a massive dump on themselves because and or not anthem avengers lost them a lot of money oh you know yeah what i mean mm-hmm. like a lot of money they they lost a lot yeah it was so, pretty bad i mean they, to say that they might not be bought you we never know they, all, all it takes is one bad game no i don't know happy. if they're gonna be bought. i just don't know if they would let microsoft buy them right right just because That's of the relationship they've had with sony because like it's yeah. like with like uh what was their name naughty dog or insomniac games insomniac because like didn't Microsoft approach them? They were like no, and then they sold to Sony. Probably, I, I have no idea. I well, can see Sony locking down more exclusives with Square because then it's like less of a risk on them. Just yeah, but they though. try they they try to do that with Bethesda. You know, they 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 came and try to get some Starfield and all that, and, all, and then Microsoft was like, "Fuck that, let's buy the whole damn studio." Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny too, shock that you mentioned that because they do have that. I don't know if it's a timed exclusive, but they did uh, put out that trailer for Project Althea, I think it's called. You guys know the game yeah, that I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, they had that uh, timed ex- exclusivity for the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake and uh, a few mm-hmm. other things. So they're definitely, well, obviously close. Uh, they're uh, chums, you could say, uh, Square Enix and Sony. Uh, I could see Sony buying uh, Bluepoint. The studio that was yeah. behind. Uh, if they're smart, they would. Yeah. The Demon Souls remake. Uh, they've done a, a couple of remakes for them already, I believe. And also the fact that I think that Blue Point wants to create its own IP as well. So I think with proper funding, it would make sense to have uh, to have Sony game studios behind them. I could totally see that partnership unfolding and uh, Sony buying them. As far as Microsoft, I mean, well, it doesn't have to be Microsoft, but as far as like Amazon, Google, and well, I guess Microsoft, Sony, I wouldn't be surprised because remember a few months back, we, we were hearing stuff about Warner Brothers Studios and all the games attached to that. Yeah. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if I know things kind of cooled off, but I, I I really wouldn't be surprised if we heard like a big developer or a big publisher getting involved with them because you look at where the Google Stadia is, you look at where the Amazon Luna is, they still don't have the and prop- AT and T doesn't care; they'll just sell it off if you give them enough money. They're trying to get rid of it to get get out of some debt, so they could care less where that goes. Yeah, I'm that's sure. right. That's right. I've read about that debt. They're uh, it's not up to the devs there at if WB. So if you're if you're a developer or and or a publisher, if you're you know what I mean, like it's it's a big big risk to be bought by Amazon and Google at the moment. How, how's Stadia doing? Like, does anyone know? Like, I haven't I haven't heard much murmurs from them. I don't know. MM2K says it's doing amazing. Of course, of course, of course, he would say that. But like <laughs> like realistically, are they actually doing anything? And Luna in itself, like their their games that they, their MMO or whatever, I think one game that they had just completely bombed. So is that, if, is if that I, even out? Oh, and it got del- had... it got delayed, didn't it? Indefinitely. Uh, what's the what's what's the other game that they had that they that like bombed? Was it, it was like a Crucible? Was MMO it was a yeah, it was a Crucible. Yeah, I would think it was Crucible. That that game completely flopped, and the MMO that they've been making, they're, they're working on, has been delayed to like indefinitely. Like it's. The, the the writing's on the wall. They're gonna have to throw mm-hmm. a lot of money at it for it to to even be viable. If you were a developer, that, that's just a big ass risk. If I want to be bought by a company that's not even does that doesn't even have a like a steady mm-hmm. foothold in the industry. So yeah, and they've already that's probably why they haven't been able to buy anybody. That's because exactly. they probably were like, well, <laughs> that's a big risk. If if you close your department because like things don't work out, then Which... are you gonna sell us back or let us give us independence back or? Exactly. Or fold the studio like yeah. EA and you EA's know. done it over and over. And when they could have easily just, I'm sure, sold that off like someone would the, the Dead Space dev like they were making mm-hmm. even Dead Space 3. I'm pretty sure sold decent enough, even if yeah, some people folded. didn't like it. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or let them go, go. go on your own. No, they were right. like, no, we're keeping the IP. We'll close you down. We'll make, have somebody else make it if we decide to later. <laughs> and, and Google has a history of like shutting down things that failed and they're putting a lot of money into this. I, I don't know. It's just a big time risk. So that even though like, yes, they're, they're, they're trying to buy studios, but if, if I mean the studios that I see them buying, are probably going to be more indie than anything in my opinion, unless they throw like a crazy amount of money mm-hmm. towards like towards square, someone that's already big where they know they have a big enough name or something or that they could get fans to come over. Well, yeah. I haven't seen them be as gre- as aggressive as what Microsoft or even Sony have been because uh, Sony did buy, as it was spoken about before, uh, Insomniac. They were like five hundred mm-hmm. million a year ago or so. You look at who they've bought, for example, uh, Stadia, Google Stadia. They bought Typhoon Studios, which did uh, what was it, Journey to the Savage Planet? That's a pretty small indie studio out of Montreal. Yeah, like I said, indies. Um, you look at Amazon, and a couple of years ago, they had bought the Killer Instinct developers, uh, Double Helix. They had rebranded them soon afterwards, uh, which is a shame. Double Helix was turning into a pretty good developer, actually. That's, and- what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, man. It's, it's a risk. Now, 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 what are they? What are they doing? Uh, like- <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I have, actually, yeah, it's one of those games that we were just kind of talking about. Uh, on Amazon's front, it's not going too well, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I could totally see them though 
again, Amazon, Google, a bunch of these other publishers buying more developers, whether they be large studios, smaller studios, because the game industry right now, out of all the industries, it is kicking ahead healthy. full steam. It is healthy, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe, uh, just because, again, the ease of access uh, to get the content out there. And I mean, while development uh, can be an issue and it slows the development for sure, at the same time, they have been raking it in unbelievable. And that's why there is such a a hunt for these publishers to get the studios, to get them into their ecosystems. That's why Microsoft being, is being so aggressive. So I'll be very curious to see who they pick up next. Uh, Again, where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll probably be hearing something soon from, uh, well, a couple of these publishers, I would imagine. But, uh, okay, guys, uh, I think on that note, we're going to start wrapping things up for tonight's show. And I got to say, guys, really good stuff tonight all around. I love the commentary from everyone. We covered uh, Bethesda announcing an Indiana Jones game, new Star Wars games in the works. And, uh, you know, some possible Halo leaks and a lot more. We covered a lot more stuff. As always, a huge shout out to all our viewers tonight and everybody that's been active in the chat. We really do appreciate all you guys uh, with your following. And it, it just means a lot to us. Guys like Other Zinc, The Geeky Nerd, Nerd, Anthony Chipmunk, who else? Jesse Darby, Fastback, ATL. Nine Lives, a lot of regulars here. Six Slayer, and I'm just going through the list, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. It's really appreciated. And in in case, you know, if you haven't done so already, please consider dropping a like and sharing this show out on all forms of social media, all forms of platforms. Again, excellent show. Now let's get to the outros for the panel, and I will start with our guest, FC Violent. Dude, it's been a blast having you on tonight. Really loved your opinions on everything. Uh, thanks for coming on and contributing to the show. Where can everybody follow you at, bud? Yes, sir. First, man. Firstly, thank you for having me on, man. The panel's great. Centurion, what's up, bro? Shockley. Nice to meet you for the first time. I had fun. Uh, hopefully the, the the audience in the chat have fun uh, with the topics that we discuss. But uh, if you want to know where you can find me and have my commentary, my crazy team that I that I podcast with, it's uh, it's on Mondays. Right now it's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, the show is called Vitamin G Gaming Podcast, and uh, you'll catch us there. Where if you want a real gamers talking about a whole bunch of stuff and don't care about the views or clicks or whatever, but we're gonna speak our mind. Definitely, definitely check us there. Check out there. Just go on my YouTube, FC Space Violent. Yeah, totally, guys. And if you haven't listened to his show before, the Vitamin G podcast, he has an excellent crew. I tune in every uh, every day, and it's a very informative bunch of people on there. I love their opinions, and yeah, honestly, guys, a great, great show. Uh, I highly recommend it to anybody who's just looking for a, a positive but no BS show. So definitely check them out. Now I'll uh, mosey on to the TXR regulars, and I'll start with Eric Shockley, buddy. Uh, again, good show, pal. Where can everybody follow you at? Yeah, as always, at ShockNero on Twitter, Easy Shock on Xbox Live. But yeah, good show. Thanks for stopping by. Totally, totally. Uh, Centurion, pal, uh, again, good commentary. Where can we follow you at? 
Well, for those interested, you can find me at Centurion1307 on Xbox Live, Twitter, and of course, YouTube. Big shout out to Mr. FC Violent. It's been a long time sure. since last time we chatted. It has definitely been fun. So it's actually good to, you know, kind of shoot the shit as a sorts, you know, man. It's been an absolute blast. And of course, thank you, Mr. Invader and Shockley. It's been an absolute fun Sunday night. And of course, can't wait till the next time. Agreed, brother. Uh, unfortunately, Tim uh, couldn't make it from the looks of it. Uh, we'll definitely have uh, Timmy uh, tune in next Sunday, of course, and our pal Megatron. Um, but yeah, to round this all off, of course, I'm Invader, and you guys can find my content on YouTube at Invader Gaming. Also, you can check me out on BitChute. That's another uh, platform that I'm on that I'm trying to grow on. I'm on all different kinds of things, but BitChute is definitely where I want to grow. Uh... Again, great show tonight, and we cannot wait to talk games next Sunday. Until next time, guys, see ya. Peace.